everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be covering the part three of the And Asset Book Review. I had an amazing opportunity to sit down with financial professionals in our space that are going through our And Asset training. And before we were doing the And Asset endorsement and training to equip financial advisors to teach this, uh, we wanted to go through a book review of my book, The And Asset. And so if you haven't listened to part one or two, you might want to do that. But part three is all about what we call controlled compounding, the master account, and really the and, the epiphany that, oh, when set up and used properly, life insurance can be a phenomenal place to do things and not say no to other things. It was like this epiphany that we don't have to say no to this dilemma between control and compounding. And it was, again, it was a big deal uh, for me because I had this first world problem of saying, what am I going to do? Am I going to um, put my money aside and have it compound for the next 60 years? Or am I going to not have my money compound, but control it? And uh, the epiphany for me is I didn't have to choose. So a couple things is if you want to get a copy of my book, The End Asset, you can go buy it on a Amazon or you can go to betterwealth.com slash vault, betterwealth.com slash vault. It is the number one place to learn anything you need to know about the AND asset. We have case studies. You can get the book. You can listen to some highlights on the podcast that are around the AND asset. We have over 100 plus frequently asked questions. We have a calculator. We have a calculator that you can go to plug in some numbers and get a general idea of what the AND asset is all about. The goal is to be the one-stop shop for everything you need to know about the AND asset and, and so we want to be that for financial professionals. We also want to be that for people that are in the business of looking for better ways to help them with their money. We want to help you. And so uh, you can go to betterwealth.com slash vault. Without further ado, enjoy section three highlights of the and asset. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. If we're, if we're looking at the last couple chapters, I, I want to explain why I talk about controlled compounding and don't talk about life insurance. This is really, really important. And it, it's, it's the, I wanted to share all the mechanisms of how life insurance worked without putting the label that it was life insurance. And I'm telling you, people that, hate life insurance, read chapter eight, and they go, okay, I get it. I get it. And then obviously chapter nine is creating the master account. Then chapter 10 is almost restating the controlled compounding strategy, but now I'm talking about the master account. I'm talking about life insurance. And I do that because controlled compounding is one of the most profound things that we do here at Better Wealth. And if you think about it, who out there do you know that can help people control capital and have their money continue to grow for the next generation. It's really powerful in what we do. And a lot of times we find ourselves playing defense or apologizing for it and we shouldn't apologize. And then obviously the, the summary is, is just wrapping it all up. But I, I wanted you guys to understand why this was written. Um, and, you know, there's, there's people that will criticize any, anything. The reason why so many people buy this book is it lays out for the client efficiency compounding, control, and then the building blocks of you don't fully understand the power of controlled compounding if you don't understand the power of both the eighth and ninth wonder. And so we all get it. 
But we have to understand that our clients don't understand the power of efficiency. And remember, everything goes back to efficiency because why do we care about compounding? Why do we care about control? Because when you maximize both of them, you're able to accomplish X, Y, and Z better, faster, more powerfully. And so that's that's super key in that. So I'm I'm review the wealth equation and I'm I want to continue to go back to this. I think I put this again in the slide um, at the end because it's so profound. What is the goal in what we're doing? It's to create maximum efficiency. How do we do that? It's getting our money to be most optimized and maximized by lifetime compounding and maximize control. And the person that can eliminate that choice will help you win in the end. And so um, this this big dilemma is something that I've that I've talked about when I was with y'all. And see, I'm, I'm trying to pick up the y'all for for all you Texans. Uh, and and so it was it was it was one of those things where, and many of you can relate. It's like, okay, I see the power of lifetime growth. Like I see that, and and I know that that's going to be good. And like everyone says, you should do that. But I also know that there's a there's a benefit of controlling capital. And I'm, I'm told that I need to choose. And it's this choice, you guys. It's this choice between future and now that we get to eliminate. And we are the only people knowing this strategy that can eliminate that choice effectively. Because think about it. What's the argument? No, you should control your money. But, but they're not buying into compounding. They're buying into having your money and flipping it and all that stuff. Great. But they're not really buying into lifelong compounding. Or you buy into lifelong compounding, but you're not really talking about control. We can have a totally different conversation. And if you are working with entrepreneurs or people that see value of controlling capital, the end asset is the only way when it comes to a paper asset. Otherwise, they sh- they're better off putting their money in a savings account. So just think about that. Um, so the, the light ball moment is, is like we can have both. And again, I want, I want you guys all to be able to articulate your light bulb moment. Like when Holly um, goes on to the podcast, she might have a different life, lifetime or light bulb moment. Chris might have a different light bulb moment. I mean, in fact, I'll ask some of you guys at the end, what's some of your light bulb moments? I'm going to ask Mike because everyone has something different. I asked um, one of my good friends the other day, his light bulb moment was, was um, uninterrupted compounding. It wasn't even the control aspect. It was like, where else can you have your money grow without taxes, losses, and fees for the rest of your life? Like, wow, that's powerful. So what is your light bulb moment for me? It was that you could have both. So, so there's, three, there's three types of people. And this, this one for, for me, like this conversation is really good because we got to, again, talk about the idea that we finance everything that we purchase. Every decision you make has a consequence. You have so many people out there that are saying, oh yeah, but I pay cash for this or I do this. And they don't really understand like that you, you, your money, like you finance and everything you purchase, every decision you make has a consequence. And as a result, when you're able to quickly show this to them, they're going to think like you're a genius. And so what I usually do is when something happens, I'm like, this, I just walk people through. It's like, there's three types of people. Person number one, we can call them a debtor. We could call them Americans. Okay. It's people that go into debt have no, no money, they don't save anything, they go into debt, and then, and then they're on this treadmill, and this treadmill is called life of an American, <laughs> okay? It's, they're paying interest, not on their terms, they're usually buying things that they shouldn't buy, and as a result, they're using debt 
but because of their lifestyle decisions, they have no money working for them. In fact, they're paying interest. And we live in a world, especially in the conservative community, where if you pay cash for something, you're a better human being because people don't want this. There's no leverage in this. So the second type of person is we call the savers. And this, this person was my parents, okay? Parents, one, top 1%, state, made a lot of money, but at the end of the day, weren't, weren't really like I would call wealth creators. They were just like, hey, we are going to save money and we're not going to spend it. Fun fact, um, we really ate out as a family. And when we did, my parents wouldn't get French fries or soda, which by the way, I'm grateful for now because it's not really healthy. But I always, I always remember like growing up kind of like with a chip on my shoulder. It's like, I, I feel like dad has a good job and yet we're not spending any money. Same thing goes with the cars is we just, we, my dad was a VP at a company and was driving a 15 year old car. Never, never got his identity in the car that he drove. And so the idea was save up, pay cash, don't pay interest and have that in just behavior. And so the first time that I purchased a car, I was really proud of myself because I paid cash and that was amazing, right? And that th this is my story of the mistake that I made. But the problem was by paying cash, I, I missed out on over six figures over my lifetime because of one decision. Because of one decision, because I disrespected the value of my, what my money could be in the future. I disrespected the eighth one of the world. And when people, when people understand opportunity cost, and remember back in section one, we talk about opportunity cost. So all this compounds, when people understand it, it clicks. It's like, oh, I get it. And so uh, a, a slide that I, I show often is as I show them both the, the savers and debtors. And the reality is this, each person has a cost, choose your cost. Either lose interest or pay interest. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but when you actually look at life lifelong and you actually look at like, we're not playing a, a short-term game. We're not playing a one-year game. We're not playing a five-year game. We're playing a freaking 40, 50, 60 generational game. We, we can't disrespect the, the value of control, but we also can't disrespect the value of what our money could be worth. And so the, the epiphany here, and again, I can't take credit for any of this stuff, but it was like, man, if people actually understood this, like this is called efficiency in every area. You don't, you don't need to necessarily borrow externally for other things. It's like the fact that you can get a paper contract that allows your money to grow the rest of your life without taxes, losses, and fees, and gives you the ability to use capital while your money continues to grow is really powerful. In, in the book, we call these people maximizers. And, and, and again, because I wanted people to say, like, I want to be a maximizer. So here's, here's what's really cool is... Um, we're gonna we're gonna try to read this, Caleb. So maximizers use their money in the most efficient way possible. They leverage their savings through collateralization. That that was really key. Um, the idea of collateralization is another. We could go down the rabbit hole, but that that paper asset allows us to collateralize our money, unlocking so many other things. Um, and then this way we get best of both worlds. And okay, I'm not gonna read. I'm I'm not a good reader for those of you that don't know. Um, so again. It's, it's the, the concept that we finance everything that we purchase. Now, um, here we go. This is the slide that I wanted. The three elements in controlled compounding that needs to happen. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, most people drop the ball on one of these things. Number one is you need something to compound. You need some money. 
So we can we can talk all about the end asset. You can be an expert in the end asset, but if we're around people that don't have money and we're not helping them find money, the end asset's not right for them because the end asset uses this thing called control compounding, and you can't control or compound something that you don't have. That that's a writer downer, by the way. And so, first of all, you need your money, and it needs to be able to have the benefits of lifelong growth. The second thing is you need to find an entity to borrow your money from. So you don't need life insurance to do controlled compounding. You can put your money somewhere that's liquid. And then you need to find a third-party entity. This could be a bank. This could be Dom. This could be me. This could be you know, some, some third-party lending institution on the internet. And then, then you need to be able to, you know, I'm, you're going to put up my money as collateral. I'm going to take your money. And then I'm going to have some type of activity to invest in. So there's three things that come when it comes to this equation. You need capital. Thank you. Um, you need capital. You need to find an institution that will you can borrow money from that will put your money up as collateral. And then you need some type of activity, some kind of reason to borrow. Now, let's talk about the third aspect is reason to borrow. A lot of people are borrowing money on th dumb things. The reason I like to, to talk about this is we're not talking about life insurance. Let's assume that our money's not growing 4%. Let's assume our money's in a savings account earning half a percent. We find an entity that can lend us money at five. Is it smart to buy something with, with, that's not going to provide us 5% of a result? You guys, you guys know this, that I'm not all about the money, meaning if a, vaca a vacation, like Chris is going to take his beautiful bride on vacation mathematically is that would they be better off not going on vacation sure but maybe not because that time might be really life-giving and might open up opportunities that gets them closer to to their result so we can't be so into the numbers but we have to understand that the end if we want to measure everything the end result should be greater than the cost of getting us there and so that it's easiest to look at when it comes to taking a loan and investing in something because then we don't have to get emotional about the, we don't have to lie to ourselves about all the things that we're going to benefit from X, Y, or Z. So you could, if you borrow at five to invest an amazing opportunity to earn 4% in this scenario, you're a uh, negative 20% costs you five to earn four. You're, you're not necessarily going to be running Berkshire Hathaway <laughs> with, the, with that kind of, you know, information and track record. But if you borrow at five and earn seven, now you got a 40% rate of return. Why? Because you paid the entity $5, you made $7. That's a 40% rate of return on your money and your money might sit at zero somewhere else. But this is the concept of controlled compounding. So can we all agree that if your money is not actually growing or if your money is sitting somewhere that's not benefiting it long-term, the having an entity to borrow from is and and purchase like it's not as valuable that that's why life insurance is so valuable because it's it's so beneficial short term and long term and if we don't understand the benefits of it in retirement in estate planning and other things it's it's going to our our solution gets weaker and weaker and i'm telling you understanding the true multi-dimensional aspect of life insurance so powerful hey, hey Caleb i think yep. uh your story with you in the book, with you explaining how you used your and asset to go take your uh, your trip 
um, for your, your nonprofit for uh, the mission trip is a prime example of the thing that you were explaining about, hey, theoretically, I got a negative return on my actual dollars mathematically, but yeah. the benefit that you got from um, going overseas and making an impact and the impact that it had on you personally and it being a right. dream is you can't even comp- you can't even you can't even put an ROR on that, that, uh, that amount of, um, that experience. But the beautiful part about the and asset is it gives you choices, right? You have the option to borrow and use it. If you choose to, you have the option to do nothing, or you have the option to potentially use other capital, other places, but if you don't have it, you don't have options, right? You're only stuck with one thing. So that That was it. And you told, stole my thunder at the end, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> we'll get the story twice. That's a beautiful story because at the end of the day, um, I paid extra interest to go to Guatemala in the short term. Long term, all my money was growing, most efficient. And if you ask me, Caleb, what do you actually want to do? Like if money wasn't an issue, it would be to serve people. So why, why wait till I'm some age to do that? Dom has a, some really inspiring things. Like this, our team is going to be changing the game and living out what people are only dreaming to do at retirement. And that's the power of what we're doing is we're helping people have control over capital so that they can live their best life today and not in the future. And I, I love that you you mentioned that, man. Um, so the process of controlled compound, we're going to go through this quickly. Uh, you place your funds in some type of master account. Why is it called a master account? Because we don't know it's life insurance yet. So you put your money somewhere. Okay. Second thing, you identify uh, what may be an asset uh, for an activity. I, I, I like talking about asset-based activities versus liability-based activities. An asset-based li- li- uh, activity helps you get closer to where you want to go. It helps you be more intentional. It could put money back in your pocket. Liability-based activities is the exact opposite. It's like spending money to be around people that drag you down. You're like spending extra money and being worse off because of that activity. Number three is you approach a lender, okay? Uh, and determine a potential terms for a loan, which by the way, good luck getting a, like, I'm, I'm laying this out, but how many of you try, have tried to get a loan, especially being a business owner? It's not necessarily the easiest thing. Uh, number four, use the lender's money. And number five, you pay back the loan uh, while your money continues to grow, compounding in the master account. Make, make sense, everybody? Looking for thumbs up, even though I can't see you. All right, cool. I can see Chris and Dom. Yes. So, okay. Um, so, Here's, here's what I love about this, this photo on page 80 is it just, it just gives you a clean breakdown of like, if you could put your money in a place, you could get lifetime growth. I even, we even had the lean, um, drawing in, in the book, which is really, I was really grateful that we could pull that off. You have this institution and then you have this money going elsewhere. The reason this is so important, you guys, and this is mainly for you is like people get this mixed up. You've probably already seen people on the internet get all this quote unquote infinite banking stuff mixed up because they don't understand the players of the game. All right, creating the master account. So I think I beat the control compounding um, concept, but those are the principles. Then we're gonna talk about why life insurance is an amazing asset class and why the world needs to hear about this. And ultimately with your help, getting to insure a million people, like how incredible is that going to be? And then we're going to talk about how the and asset when set up and used properly can use controlled compounding in, and it's just like, this is amazing. 
Um, and so the way, the way you build wealth is by maximizing the efficiency of the whole process. This is so important. Uh, Candace, this is, goes back to your question. Like if you can maximize the efficiency that someone has in their process, they don't care about a product. They care about that, especially if you're able to give them um, what that looks like. And the way you maximize efficiency of the whole process is by maximizing efficiency of each ele element of the process. So again, you guys are going to see in um, week two of the course, um, we're, it's all going to be about the audit. It's all going to be about auditing what someone's currently doing. We're going to show you how to audit with a model. We're going to show you how to audit without a model. And, and we're showing you multiple examples because we need to be able to have a process to show people. Um, remember the 16 benefits? Again, this was written like this was written to talk to position life insurance in a in a good light. There's no doubt about it. And so early on, when we talked about the 16 ideal benefits, and we positioned it by saying, no asset checks all these boxes, not a chance. But we we get we get people to start thinking about like which ones are most important. What, what we've changed in our process is when we talk about the list of benefits, we start getting people to highlight which ones are most important to them. Because again, in the sales process, then we can give them a solution that checks those boxes. These are all good, good tips. So, you know, it just is just another breakdown of, of the 16 aspects. So the very best place to set up your master account is with a mutually owned life insurance company using especially uh, specially designed dividend paying contract. Like this is where it's like surprise, but, but we have positioned it. So like up until this point, we've talked about efficiency, compounding control, and we've talked about all the principles that you have trust with somebody. Like we think that when we, we talk about life insurance, the only reason life insurance is a turnoff is when there's no trust and there's no like transfer to like, Oh, this is going to help me be more efficient. And so so let's first talk about mutually owned companies um, and um, really the, the benefit of being mutually owned is, let me, let me see, let's skip ahead here. Um, okay, this is where I want to go. So the five parts of, of a financial vehicle, and this, is, this, this chapter is really important to read and reread if we want to really be excellent in what we're doing, is, is number one is the contract. Like, we, we want to understand the importance of a contract. And in the book, we talk about like a con like contractual benefits. And this is under contract law rather than under tax law. And when you're talking to people and you talk about life insurance, you want to make sure that you are dealing with the reason why we call this life insurance is it's a contract with a life insurance company. It's really important. You have a contract with which you can, you can anchor and say the contract has a ton of benefits but we do it with a life insurance company. And the reason why we do a co contract with a life insurance company is because life insurance outdates the tax code. And when set up and used properly, it's one of the best tax loopholes, legal tax loopholes in the game. Why? Because life insurance has a lot of tax benefits, but if you maximize the contract, you, you, you do well. And so mutually owned, why is this important? We want a contract with a company that by participating in that company, you get ownership in, in the profits of that company. Huge benefit, huge benefit. Like um, Nelson, one, one of the things that he would say um, when, I, when I interviewed him is he said, long-term, if life insurance, if insurance in general is a profitable company, which we all see their buildings, why wouldn't you want to be part owner of a company like that? 
why wouldn't you want to participate in the profits? Again, long-term versus short-term, like these companies, especially the ones that can adapt, are, are, are going to be great. And we get ownership in that just on the type of contract we get. Dividend paying, Chris could go into a lot of details why if we're going to do um, especially banking style contracts, that a dividend paying whole life insurance contract is, is the, the best as it relates to early liquidity, the, st the creating stable foundational asset. And so you, you want to make sure that the, the money goes to you and they're not just reducing the premium because we don't necessarily care about the insurance benefit. We can care about the cash benefit. And then specially designed, this is where, this is where that's why they're working with you because you might be able to find somebody that works at a company that's mutually owned, that pays dividends, but they've never been taught and they don't understand the power, especially designing a contract. Not all contracts are created equal. Not all life insurance is created equal. We have to make sure before we start bashing people like Dave Ramsey and others, you have to look at some of the things that they're seeing. I would bash life insurance too if I saw half the things that go on in our industry. So this is actually good because we have, if, if you understand these five things, like we now have a stronger argument to, to play, a stronger um, statement really to make as it relates to, oh, life insurance is a horrible thing. Yes, it is if you don't understand these five things. But if done well, it's, it can't be beaten. Okay, this is also really, really a, a key conversation. In, and what, I'll, what I usually do, and I'm actually going to do this. Oh, here we go. I'm going to draw this out for you, for you guys. Um, so we have, and this is, this is something that, this is something that you can you can have conversations with with people, right? If if it's like life insurance 101, you have an individual and they want to buy life insurance. And let's say let's say they want a million dollars worth of life insurance. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I was at the bank, I had an app and this app was, you know, works with an IMO kind of deal, and their whole value proposition is if someone wants life insurance, you could you can quote them and get the cheapest amount of life insurance. It was like a freaking commodity kind of deal. It's like, all right, come in. You can fog a mirror. Di okay, da, 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 da. all right, let me do this. All right, let's go with this company because this is like 10 cents cheaper. So what is life insurance? Life insurance is a commodity, but why isn't life insurance free? Because life insurance is a contract that's unilateral, which means as long as you keep up your end of the bargain, they're on the hook for theirs. So the life insurance company's liability is a million dollars over a certain time period. Term insurance is pretty much saying, hey, we're going to rent for a certain amount of years. And if something happens, the insurance company's on the hook to pay whatever the face amount is. So the insurance company determines the minimum amount of money. And again, I know this is nothing new to all you guys. I'm, I'm walking you through how we have conversations with people. And so let's just say to do this, we're, it'll be like $250 a year. And then, but... But for that same person, they could they could pay eleven thousand five hundred and twenty dollars for the same amount of death benefit with the same company. Why would they do that? Well, number one, it's permanent, so this is this is going to last forever versus oh, over a period of time where there's a ninety nine percent chance that you, it's not going to, you know, actually pay out. But the difference is the insurance company doesn't necessarily determine that. It's it's the government that regulates the max. Why does the government regulate the max? Well. There's a special life insurance is a contract that has a lot of amazing benefits and all the 16 benefits, by the way, we could, we could list. 
and and you can you could say it doesn't like in most cases it you don't get a deduction for the money that you put into a life insurance plan but you can walk through all the benefits that have when you maximize the cash now here's the epiphany and this is going to gain a ton of trust with people it's like if you're going to do this for a cash play the thing that you need to get right is you need the right contract you need the right company it needs to be dividend paying and it needs to be specially designed what do i mean by specially designed we need to max the living benefits and we need to minimize the the insurance drag and oh by the way we're going to learn about this in the program we do that by special type of riders special type of you know term riders and special type of base designs and that's 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 something that dom and dan and some other people on our amazing team are going to get into but at the at the most basic form we want to lower the cost maximize the living benefits and it just happens to be that we just get paid a lot less for doing the right thing if if you guys we position this and you can do whatever drawing you want but if you just educate on, on yes, majority of life insurance is garbage, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people are designing policies like this, getting a fat commission, and of course, like it doesn't break even for twenty plus years. Of course, it's not a good plan, and I'm sorry that that gave us a bad rap. But I don't know what to tell you. I wish life insurance wasn't that great. I really do. I'd be a lot cooler, okay? But we have a moral obligation to do the right thing, and when set up and and used properly, it would be like. I can't unlearn this stuff and neither can you. And so it's just like, I think people, people understand, Dom, I don't know if people, I don't, we get to just see so many people that get it. Do we have a problem with people understanding this or what are some of the things that you're learning in the field? I think the, the biggest thing is it's where are they coming from and how much education have they dove into before they get to the call? Yeah. Um, people just hear about, Hey, like, you got to do this really cool thing that's allows you to, to leverage your dollars and grow for the rest of your life and be able to borrow the same, like all these different tools. It's like, Oh yeah. My real estate friend told me that I should come talk to you. And at that point you're having to educate just like you just did to help them or point them to some education, et cetera. Um, but if you do, you know, enough educating the right way then people understand the, the process and the concept yeah. of the contracts and the policy design and stuff. And, and the benefit is this is you don't, you don't need to be the one explaining. You can point to the book, you can point to Chris's videos, you can point to my videos, you can point to some of your colleagues that present. So you just, you just have to understand, like you have to believe it. Cause if you don't learn it, be, because don't sell something that you don't believe. But once you believe it, people really, again, they want outcome and no other paper asset allows you to do this the way that we can design this. So, and then the other thing is, let's look to other people. I mean, there's presidents on both sides of the aisle. There's some powerful people in history that have done this. Um, Dr. Barry, D or not Dr. Barry Dyke in his, um, in his book talks about bank owned life insurance. And one of the things that he, he's, just, he's looked at is over 3000 banks, almost 4,000 banks have what's something called bank owned life insurance. Oli. If banks and corporations are crushing it, like, why are they putting their safe assets into something like this? It's, it's because they understand efficiency. Um, and then this is the thing that it's like, of course, people like average people are not necessarily going to buy into this. 
And I always love when when someone, you know, hates on life insurance kind of deal, or if they if you're working with a financial advisor that thinks life insurance is a horrible place to put your money, like ask them to explain controlled compounding. Ask them how to explain certain things. Ask them how much cash they get in the first year. Oh, you don't get any cash in the first year. Oh, like you're borrowing to use your own money. Oh, you're going to start seeing that they're using all the wrong language because they don't understand it because they've been taught by their person that it's a horrible place. So you have to understand that the true, like majority of people are not as anti as we think they are. They're just anti because they, they know, they always know that one person that's a scammy salesperson that sells something that's really not in the best interest. and and is no one's better off in that equation, but it doesn't necessarily make everything wrong. And oh, by the way, the, the average person that's doing their 401k is not necessarily the metric for success either. And, and so it just, it just, we just have to understand that there's, there's a lot of powerful people out there that don't necessarily want this information getting out. And there's a lot of people in our industry that don't want this information getting out because it's threatening to them. When you know a better way, like we, again, we have a moral obligation to get this information out in the world. And that's why I'm so impressed with this company because you guys are committed to doing something that not everyone is going head first in because you can make a lot more money in other things. But if you do right by someone, success leaves clues and you'll get a track record and you will make more money, ironically, doing the right thing. How many, how many people does this bring back some funny memories? This is, it's just like, we, we don't want to be that guy who, who's pestering our friends. Okay. The controlled compounding strategy. Here's, here's the deal. Okay. How to compound your money the rest of your life. Amazing. How to control, like controlling your money. You can take your money out or you can borrow from the insurance company and allow your money to continue to grow. For me, that was like the light bulb moment. I was like, my goodness, I could do, I can do both. And I know I'm, I'm like, I'm saying the same thing over and over but it's, I, I just want that to sink in. Okay, so this is, this is gonna be really important that everyone takes notes on this. The three ways to pay back your policy loan, okay? So insurance companies never will lose. Whole life insurance, mutual carriers will never lose in the equation. They'll never lose. So a, a common question I'll get is, Caleb, how does insurance companies, how can they guarantee the loan for usually 5% or lower and never require you to have to pay that back. No other entity can do that, by the way, which is true. No one's going to give an unstructured loan. Why can insurance companies do that? Here's why. is because they're, they're hedging both sides. What other entity is playing a lifelong game? Like they're, they, These companies are going to be in business and in game longer than we survive. And so they have a liability on the books called a death benefit. This is really, really important that we understand this. The liabilities on the books called a death benefit, and they are on the hook to pay that death benefit. And so if you have an outstanding loan and you pass away, they're going to pay that death benefit minus the outstanding loan. So there's three ways that they're going to get their money. They're never going to lose in this equation. Number one is you're going to surrender your policy, meaning let's say you have $10,000 in your cash value. You take out a $3,000 loan. You say, you know what? I don't want this anymore. I'm cashing in my life insurance, which is a horrible idea. I hope no one does that. But if they do, the insurance company would give them $7,000. They, they don't have a liability anymore, and you'd walk away with your money. If it's in the first couple of years, you may have lost money on the deal because you have less money than what you put in. Number one, the insurance company didn't lose. You get your money. Number two, you pay back the loan unstructured. It could be lump sums. It could be whatever. They make interest. They're playing a lifelong game. They're what... What, where can they get a guaranteed rate of return of four or 
So you could say, you could make the argument that having a, a little bit of loan portfolio interest could be a good thing. Now, if everyone did loans, life insurance companies wouldn't like that from a cash flow standpoint, but the amount of people that actually take advantage of a loan is so small in these companies, it's barely a blip on the radar. And so they, if you take a loan and pay them back, they're going to win. And then if you die, they're also going to win. And they're playing a lifelong game. So you either surrender it, you pay them back interest, or you die, and they're going to make their money in some way. Here's the crazy thing is when we partner and have the special type of contract with these companies, we're literally partnering with a company that's able to play a lifelong game and, and, and be able to give us preferred options to our money because of this. Because if this wasn't the case, um, the only, we would be somewhat in trouble. Okay. I hope that sinks in. Life insurance is incredibly valuable and that's why it makes it such a great asset in retirement. Okay, so in this, this, is another, this is another section in the book that we just talk about different scenarios about when to get your money and when to pay it back. Like you could, you could get your money right away and you could pay it back. You could, you could you know, have your money and use it to buy things like cars or other things. And just full disclosure, it's like cars aren't necessarily going to make you rich, but, but if you're able to save 20 or 30% more money and then, oh, by the way, have capital and use it as a bank to buy cars and, and you're saving more money and paying that back, like awesome. Also, like a lot of people that do like um, real estate flipping or real estate syndications use a strategy and they, they just have an outstanding loan. And then when they flip something or they sell, they, they pay it back. Um, in the book, I talk about delaying repaying and I want to be very cautious in saying this, um, because you need to, you, I would be very careful sharing this with people because of humans, because of psychology. But what I mean by this, and I'm actually going to share my screen. What I, what I mean by this is if you have, if you have money in an account, and it's earning interest over here. And then you have an insurance company over here. And let's say that it costs you 5% to control that capital, control cost. Okay. And let's say this activity over here is earning 12%. Okay. And you're Paul, and you're still funding your policy. And it's and it's doing its thing. It's not max loaned, whatever. Okay. The argument could be made that yeah, you're going to pay yourself back and you're going to pay your, the insurance company back. And, and, you know, obviously your policy is growing here. You have this asset and then minus this control cost, which is true. And if you all, if you want to be conservative, or if you don't necessarily trust the human being and their max leverage, make them pay back that interest. It's just the better way to do business. And when they pay back, this lien gets lifted dollar for dollar and it's all good. But mathematically, why would you pay 12% to, for a 5% cost? Like, I, I want to, like, mathematically, that doesn't make sense. Like, if I can earn 12, why would I, why would I sacrifice an investment at 12% to pay a 5% cost? So if this is designed properly, and it's designed well, and it's not going to be, like, and again, I, Dom, I don't know if we can have a special video on this in the course, but you don't. You don't want to, uh, there's got to be margin in this thing. There's got, it's got to be set up where it's not going to be a horrible, horrible design that blows up and no one's going to accidentally blow up a policy without knowing, like it's really hard to do, but 
it it has been done because people are too aggressive and then this whole thing hits the fan and now it's like oh that's not ideal but assuming if your confidence level is super high in this don't, you don't have to pay back the loan um within a certain period of time in fact if it's designed properly the death benefit could pay off that loan worst case scenario i'm sharing that with you because the power of unstructured loan payments is really key and it just gives us options it, there's there's a strategy where you have multiple generations you have you know you know generation one two and three and they all have policies and you know the kids are doing super super well because they're compounding their money forever and and then the the next generation when when you pass away or mature that money gets passed down to the next generation where are you going to put that money well if the family was practicing banking and had some outstanding loans, now you're getting an income tax-free dollar to pay back a contract that's totally off the radar screen in the IRS. So you can, you can, having outstanding loans is not the end of the world, especially if there's windfalls, especially if we understand that there is quote unquote more risk, but it also gives us flexibility to inherit money into selling a business, into selling real estate, where's that money could go, gonna go? It could go into a policy. In fact, your death benefit, if, if you have enough cash in the policy, could 100% support the plan to begin with. The downfall to this strategy is human behavior and things don't always work out the way, the way we think. And there's somebody that um, lapsed their policy. It was because they had all the right things on in their head and everything hit the fan and they and they didn't have they didn't have any margin in their life and they lost a lot it wasn't just the policy and you know it's frustrating but at the end of the day it's it's the same thing goes to they put all your money in a savings account and then lose it it doesn't it doesn't make the life insurance problem the problem it just it, i just want you guys to be aware of that but but i also want us to know that it's it's good practice to have our people pay back the interest but if you work with a savvy person just understand, be self-aware enough to not, not turn up, turn them away by saying, no, you can't do that or that's dumb. Well, it depends. All right. Um, so the, the and is really the, I would say the genius behind the strategy is when you can give your dollar two jobs rather than one, you now don't just compare it to an investment. You're comparing it to a foundational asset. And this is, this is a fun um, because it, it'll, it really unlocks so many, so many things that you can do your ability to, you know, compound your money and buy vehicles, compound your money and do real estate, compound your money and trade stocks, compound your money and do private placements, compound your money and do all kinds of things. Um, Demetrius on our team uses and asset to buy his wedding ring. That's really cool. That's a cool story, you know, and it's just, there's, some really cool things that you can do to think about generational impact and and the ability to compound your money and have a foundational aspect. I would recommend for those of you that do have and, an and asset to do some type of experience. Um, you better believe the and asset's gonna finance the um, movie and other things because it's just fun to talk about. This is, this is uh, Dom, do you wanna share this story? Okay. Uh, this is my one of the aha moments that I had was when I was putting $400 a month into a policy. And to go back to what um, Candace said, like I, 
knowing what I know now, I would have designed it way differently. I would would have waited a year with a front load, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, this is not a regret starting this policy. So I was doing $400 a month and going to Guatemala. It was just like, this is one of the coolest things. And one of my missions is I want to wreck CEOs lives by taking them overseas and showing them that there's a, there's a way greater reason they're alive than just to make money. And that, that, that was one of the things that God used in my life to like open my eyes to that. And, um, it's something that, again, what's really cool about better wealth is everyone has a story of how they want to give back. And it's just really cool to see what's going to, what's going to happen. Um, so the, what I want to end with is understanding how the and asset affects other outcomes. So retirement planning, like you better believe in the course, we're going to go through a couple resources on how life insurance enhances retirement income. You don't need to necessarily know how the watch works. You got to understand the outcome and you got to understand if someone does X, Y, or Z, they'll be better off how you can make more money. Like I would, I would argue that knowing this information, you guys allows you to not just make more money or have the ability to have greater conversations. It, it goes back to you being your greatest asset and the, and asset is really meaningless if it doesn't unlock someone to live more intentionally. And I think the epiphany that we all had on our team was what we do helps people live more intentionally because of all this stuff. And, um, it's just, it's just really, really amazing. So the, the, the last section that we'll go through is, all right, make a list as I go through. Entrepreneurs, who do we know that are entrepreneurs? What problem do entrepreneurs have? If we could show them a place that they could have quote unquote retirement thing figured out and also not put their business on hold for the next 30 years, because ironically, that's what's going to be funding their future. Shouldn't they like that's that's a message investors, we can essentially show investors a more efficient way to invest long with long term success. Why in the short term they're they have less money long term life insurance and whatever their investments are going to be the result is going to be better than just having an investments because we're hedging both sides. High income earners guys, these are the people that we need to go after because they're paying a lot in taxes. And they usually don't have any other thing other than a 401k. They make too much money to put their money in a Roth. They just need to be shown a better way. Um, the inexperienced people, the inexperienced people just need someone to come alongside them and help them start finding money. And the and asset may or may not be a good fit for them, but it could be depending on their situation. You know, the someone that is experienced, meaning like they know a thing or two about money. I promise you, if you, if you give them this book, they're going to, they're going to start seeing some things differently. And it all is going to come around the idea of efficiency. Retirement, this is the thing that I probably went most deep in after the book is because I didn't, I knew enough to be dangerous. But I'm telling you, there are so many things to learn about life insurance and retirement planning. And if you understand that, it's going to make you guys unbelievably attractive because you can give all the benefits on the front end and create more certainty on the back end. So remember, retirement is just future cash flow. Obviously, families, I think majority of you could, could um, speak to how this can impact the family. College planning, we could call this the 529 plan alternative. This is something that um, Child Millionaire highlights that, you know, if you, if you do this on your kids 
um, especially if they're just born, um, you could you can set your kids up to do some pretty incredible things. And I call it the college plan that continues to give because you're not just giving them the ability to do college funding, but you're also giving them the ability to do a down payment on the house and buy cars and potentially invest and then invest in their family and ultimately give to their next generation. It's it's like what grandparent, if you really want to make a difference in someone's life, have a grandparent fund a life insurance policy on a kid. That grandparent's going to affect their their kids' kids. That should give everyone goosebumps. And then debt, I've kind of changed my song on this. I I think if someone has bad high interest debt, they should not fund life insurance to pay that off. The only where reason you you could justify that is if there's a behavior issue and if someone's never going to start saving. But mathematically, you'd be better off to pay bad high interest debt and then redirect that money that they're saving into a policy. Um, and then with where there's a lot of people that we work with that have you know student loan debt and other things, and we show them an ability to fund an and asset, give them the ability to pay off that student debt. But what usually happens is having debt's not necessarily a terrible thing. And they're more efficient having debt and having an and asset than trying to pay that off. But there are certain cases with long-term debt that you could say that the and asset is better with all the other results that it brings, using that to pay off the debt than just paying it directly. Does uh, anyone ever seen this equation before? Um, it, it comes down to efficiency. And we're efficient when we can maximize people's money, number one. Like, let's, let's serve them. Let's audit where their money's going. And then let's maximize the ability to compound and control that money. Um, so again, this is another review, but there's three, there's three equations in this and the and asset combines all three of these. What other place could we do what, what we just taught? Like you'd have to put your money into some type of investment or some type of bond portfolio. You'd have to have some type of company that would work with you that wouldn't require all this paperwork every time you want to access money. They'd have to give you a pretty competitive loan. Your money would have to be growing, but oh, by the way, is it going to be growing tax-free? Or is it, will you have to pay taxes and other things? And so when you add up all the things that we talked about, we're not even talking about retirement planning. When you add up all those things, life insurance is one of the most attractive places to have at the foundation of your life. It just is when we understand the 16 benefits and, and how it um, results in radical change. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.